Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the she in <laughs> self-absorption. <laughs> it seemed oh. obvious to me at the time. <laughs> and it's still obvious <laughs> if you know the rules of the game. Right. My name is Summer Yeager. And that I'm- we created... <laughs> Yeah. That we create the rules for. Enjoy. <laughs> my name is Summer Yeager, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And uh, I started watching the uh, Hillsong documentary. Oh, okay. I was feeling a little um, <sighs> hesitant to do that just because uh-huh. of the angle. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, if I was doing a documentary on Hillsong, I know the angle I'd be coming from. But I also know that my angle would not get put on any streaming service i don't know oh okay i've been pleasantly surprised okay um at 50 percent of what i've heard okay um and i haven't finished it yet so i cannot say this throughout but two things struck me there is a guy on there who was just straight up like Hey, the prosperity gospel is junk. Charismania. And then there's a girl who's like, Charismania is just making you about feel something. It's not about like staying true to the word. Okay. Um, they had some observations that I completely agreed with, but then when they were they really go after Carl Lentz like really hard. And I mean, well, you know, he was an adulterer. Yeah. But what I thought was so interesting when they were really going after him, uh, for being a hypocrite and just like being wrong. They kept playing these clips of him saying things from the stage that were just completely right. <laughs> oh. And then the people who were like trying to point out that he was wrong were against the true things he was staying saying on stage. So they just picked the clips poorly or I don't know. Or they don't the person who made it doesn't know. I don't know. <laughs> that what he said they're just like, ah, if it's Christian, it's all super superstitious yeah. garbage. So just any clip will well, do. Well the point I think the point of the clips was to prove that he's like some kind of misogynist. Okay. Now Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I understand what you're saying. Do you now. know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. But but the so his actions were wrong. Many of his actions, obviously, were just the guy needs prayer um, right. and and he needs Jesus. But some what was interesting was that it was clear to me that the show writers were trying to portray him as a misogynist and purity culture is just all bad. But in yep. the clips that they were playing to prove that everything he said was accurate. And I was just like, you probably could have picked some different clips, <laughs> but I realized the showrunners probably think those clips do support their point. Right, right. But they totally didn't. It's stuff like, right. 
marriages between one man and one woman and it's stuff like that's where it gets a little ang- like angly <laughs> like the angle becomes yeah. kind of it's stuff apparent. like don't have sex before marriage it's stuff like <laughs> you're only meant for your spouse it's stuff like young women need their fathers to help them understand how what valuable a, they are what a brute i know <laughs> and i was just like why if you want to prove that he's a misogynist and whatever there's different you could have done something well, I guess else. <laughs> that just depends on your definition of right misogynist. Right. Well, anyway, I just I thought I thought that was interesting. I haven't finished. It's not like I sat down and watched the whole series last night. All um, right. Well, yeah, I'm more because I, I have a life. But... I've seen it. I've seen it like advertised. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I've had my wonderings. So that's good to know. Well, it's also interesting to me how a couple times in the show. They were play- They were portraying it as really bad. <laughs> Some of the desires that the church had were good desires that obviously I think were in the hands of false Christians. So they well, didn't yeah. go well. Hillsong is has been happening for a long, time. a very long time. So it's most technically since the seventies, right? So it's most recent iteration uh, is not doesn't really represent yeah. all of it. So, but it was just interesting how. They, you know, they would say things like the church wanted to make worship music that was creative and good and quality. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> the, do we have a problem with the that? problem with the great production value and the quality music that people want to listen to is like, what is the problem with that? But anyway, just... Whatever. So you're saying the people that created this documentary are psalmist only? Yeah. <laughs> no they're, instruments. They're uh, egalitarian <laughs> psalmist only. <laughs> yes. I'm sure there are very weird combinations. Against marriage. <laughs> very against purity. <laughs> but don't you dare sing anything other than... A psalm with maybe a piano no, accompaniment. Maybe. No, maybe. Imagine the <laughs> piano accompaniment that, in your head. You <laughs> anyway, that's the end um, of my story. Well, you're right. Uh, I am Joy, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. And um, I saw something the other day that I saw it, and then I was like, if that doesn't encapsulate what Arizona is. Oh. I guess you should say what Phoenix is. Okay. Then I don't know what else does. Oh, I'm so curious. The weather's beautiful here right now. <laughs> it is heating up a little bit. So we are, when it starts to heat up here, we all start to get like PTSD flashbacks from the f- previous summer. This is so accurate. So we get a, like a little bit like tense. Yeah. Even though the weather's still nice. Mm. We're like, but, but it's getting like a little too hot a little too soon. Yep. Um, we set records. Yes, we do. <laughs> but so anyway, so it was a nice day, though it is warm. Uh, Some of you hearing uh-huh. this would be like, that's a hot day for uh-huh. us. Yeah. Um, so we took Georgia to the park right by our apartment. And um, <laughs> in this like big basin area, I saw this couple having a lovely picnic mm. in the shade <laughs> of a palm tree. Yeah. <laughs> Which, what that means, <laughs> is a little round splotch of shade Yes, that is about the size of a picnic blanket. Yep. 
And so basically, you and your blanket fit would in fit this inside shade of this circle, and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Because then the the trunk of it is like... And it's not near the tree. <laughs> yeah, it's nowhere <laughs> it's like, near the tree. It's like far away from the trunk of the tree. <laughs> and, yeah. and honestly, I was like, that looks lovely. That looks so nice. That is and we were Phoenix. going outside as well. If you're there for 20 minutes, but you it have was to just move so, slightly. Yes. <laughs> it was just so funny because I was like, look at those people enjoying... This lovely day yeah. in the one five by five <laughs> area. Patch of shade available to <laughs> yes, them. Yes. Oh, that's very Phoenix for you. <laughs> I didn't know. I remember the first time I left Phoenix and went like to the East Coast. And I remember telling my friends, I was like, where did you guys get all these trees? Right. <laughs> because they're highways are hemmed in by yeah. trees on either side. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen such a thing. And I, I think people don't, I've told you this, but when I lived in Georgia for a while and I would, I, I got out of the habit of wearing my sunglasses and then I traveled home for Christmas. So it's December. It's the least right. sun of the year. Yeah. And my eyes hurt so bad because it is just so much brighter here. Like mm-hmm. the sun hits so different yeah and you have to have sunglasses here whereas i need to get some in georgia it would be like the height of the summertime and i didn't need glasses because there's clouds and right there's trees even if there's sun you're hitting shade you're hitting cloud coverage but that doesn't happen here (laughs) right it's really a lot of uninterrupted sun which is something that a lot of people like about it here because um yeah well maybe not georgia but in places like the Midwest, you yeah. go like how the sun is here. That's how the not sun is there. Yeah, I don't. They're relate. like, why do I feel so depressed? Is it because I haven't Seen felt the, the sun. sun on my skin for sixteen days? Well, is and that but that's it? that is what's gonna happen here because we're not gonna go outside for so long. Well, but then you get all of your you, yeah, vitamin D on your drive yeah. to the grocery mm-hmm. store that you it's can like possibly taking a need. shot of it. Yeah. It's too much at one time. Okay, kids, we're going (laughs) to walk into church. Yeah. And during that 30 seconds, we'll get all the vitamin D you need. I actually bought a uh, mini foldable treadmill for my house to put underneath my bed for the summertime. Because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to move. Foldable, huh? Yeah, it's one of those ones where it's like this thin. Okay, like like a desk one. Like that, yes. Okay. Like that, and you just basically it has like does it a, have handles? Yeah, it folds up and folds down. The handle is like a tiny. It's a mini treadmill. Because I can't think of anything more terrifying than walking on a treadmill with no handles. It does have it does have handles. Or like the um, what are the treadmills? The yeah, I know, the, the body, runner, the yeah. air runner. Mm-hmm. Those are really scary. Those are scary. I like them, but they're scary. But anyway, they're I like them too, but yeah. they're just a little. Well, I was just thinking forward to the summer and I was like, I'm not getting out and I, I, I'm not, I have to move. I'm pregnant. I have to move or this is just going to be well, and you horrible. Just, like we go swimming and stuff here, but swimming doesn't. I cannot bake all day. I cannot and float around like a you walrus. Don't wanna do, you don't want to do laps? I don't want to do laps <laughs> when it's 117 <laughs> degrees out. I just. But think of all the vitamin D. Yeah. And the bleach water I'm swimming in. 
Like what? No. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I, my goal is to just get. That's how I'm gonna get my steps in. Is that little? Because I could just roll it out, roll it in. It's tiny. Cool. I'm excited. Anyway, um, you can leave us voicemail. <laughs> Tell us about your tiny treadmill at four seven zero. 465-0475. Uh, you can support us or join book club at patreon.com slash theologians. We just started book club. It's never too late for you to join, but it's especially not right now because we just started our new book, uh, which is Total Truth by Nancy Piercy. So grab your copy and join us there. We meet on Wednesdays. What else do I got to tell them? You can get your anti-feminist gear at shopsheologians.com. And um, I wanted to tell you about this message we got. It was adorable. One of our listeners just had a baby and a baby boy. Maybe not just. Okay, I don't remember how little he is. He's a baby. And uh, his name is Walter. (laughs) Oh. And she was like, Walt. just so you know, Old man names on babies are actually cute. And I thought, you know, I can see that because for some reason, infant males kind of do look like old men. It's true. <laughs> like it's There's the a little bit of a, like the rule changes just a little bit. Yeah. Like, like an older name on a little girl is less cute than like. Yeah. Walter. Walter. Little baby Walter. Wally. Oh, Walt. I wonder if they bet, bet they don't. She's she seemed really into that Walter name, you know. I mean, yeah, whatever, whatever you like. Yeah, you can totally name your child McSwaley Some... if you want. I don't recommend <laughs> McSwaley. I really need McSwaley to give us a call. <laughs> I know. know she's out there. She's probably three or four though. <laughs> so. If she's out there, can you just please, can she leave us a voicemail? We're waiting for you, specifically McSwaley. <laughs> anyway, um, so this was a listener request, actually, in case you thought I was being original when I said we should talk about this. I wasn't. It's because we are constantly emailed. About I forget what your topic. she was already. What, what did you say? Is it that, was it that forgettable? No, I just self-absorption. Oh, okay. All right. Got it. I I had a feeling that was the one. Just quickly before we move on, um if you have a hydro jug as I do, um I don't re- recommend cleaning it with Dawn power spray, power wash. Because now it just tastes like Dawn Power Yeah, wash. it's pretty potent. The fragrance in that is potent and it kind of gets into everything you... I have done everything. I've tried hot water. I've tried the dishwasher. I've tried letting it just dry, air dry overnight. Vinegar? I've not tried vinegar. Should I try vinegar? Vinegar can be very helpful because it kind oh. of neutralizes Every time I take a sip of this water, it's just like... Dawn Power Wash Dawn down your throat. Dawn Power Wash. Do you feel clean? No. No. I don't. That's not how it works. That is not how it works. <laughs> I just want it to be over. <laughs> anyway. Um, <clears throat> so we get lots and lots of emails. People wanting us to discuss uh, self-image. And, well, and we've talked about vanity before. It's been a while. Yeah. Here's the funny thing is I always feel there are certain episodes that I feel like we've done very recently 
And then there are certain episodes that I don't even remember doing. Um, Vanity is one of those episodes I feel like we just did. But really? I'm certain if I looked it up, it's probably been like two years. Three years? Five? How can it be five? 2017. <laughs> Have we talked about it since then? Nope. <laughs> nope. 2017. How can that? What was I doing? What? <laughs> we. It's because we were both doing something completely different. Yeah. And this uh, in 2017 than we are today. But I, I guess we haven't. <laughs> well, um, in case I needed to make the point that I was just trying to make, uh, yeah. let that just be an example <laughs> of the point I was trying to make. Um. So yeah. Anyway, I just thought, let's talk about it. Um. It's not going to be what you guys wanted, but that's, <laughs> that's what we're here to do. <laughs> I like to find a way to disappoint you every week. Um, Usually we just use the she or her to be slightly disappointing. <laughs> that is the highlight of everything I do here. Um, but yeah, I just thought this, it's obviously a salient point. Uh, and before we zoom in on any details, I think one reason that, this is a universal, a universal problem of just like. Did you almost say yep, universal? I almost did. <laughs> okay, all right. It's the dawn Go power. On. It's the power wash in my mouth. Yeah, I get it. That's discombobulating. It really is. Um, it's a universal problem because I think it has to do with identity, and identity is something that just as a culture, we're just kind of raised specifically not to know who we are until we find who we are. Right. That is the common wisdom of our day is that you're really born on this, you know, a blank slate. And then if you can survive your parents somehow, then you get to leave the nest and travel and search the Binge world drink at yeah. an ivy league school and sleep around and then find out Take who you out are massive amounts of debt yeah um and if you guys think i'm being dramatic i recently had a i recently was getting to speak to a very young woman and she was saying that this is what she's being encouraged to do mm-hmm. i mean sh- she's a child yeah when i say young woman she's mm-hmm. a child and she has been told from day one, like, grow up, don't get married, maybe go to college when you're done with college, travel the world, find out who you are. Uh, and so is it any wonder <laughs> that so many adults are walking around like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm here for. I don't know what my purpose is. Is it because that's not how identity works? Yeah, it is. That's, hmm. that's because it's not how identity works. And so... Do you think anyone's profiting <laughs> off of this um, mm-hmm. industry that we've created around finding yourself? Yes, I do. Hmm. Many, many, many people. Hmm. But um, <clears throat> essentially, I think you are you are going to have identity issues, self-image issues, vanity, being vain. This is going to be a problem. Uh, if you, it's especially going to be a problem being vain is going to be a huge stumbling block in your spiritual life. If you think that you are responsible to define who you are, that is a vain thought. 
Right. That is a vain belief. Um, all of us are born image of God. You have your marching orders from mm-hmm. day one. Yeah. Um, the purpose of your life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The details of what that looks like, number one, are given to you uh, in, in part by, well, where do you live? Um, who are your parents? Uh, are you a man or a woman? Because how you glorify God. You are God, only one of those. You are only one of those. Uh, if you're a woman, you can only glorify God, uh, by acting, by being a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're a man, you can only glorify God as a man. You don't get to do it any other way. Um, these are all things that you didn't get to decide or determine. Uh, if you're born, uh, with one arm, if you're born, uh, you know, your health, your physical condition, your appearance, how much money your family has, right? These are things that are all actually uh, not determined by you, and you get to uh, use them for the glory of God, however they've been given to you. And that's that is so the opposite <laughs> of what our children are told of what our of of anything right. you see on TV. In news and media, that's the opposite. That's the opposite of fight of a mystery. <laughs> yes, it's a surety. <laughs> yeah, and I think so. Just a lot of people don't consider, you know, when they say like, "I have this issue," "I have this," uh, "I have this body image issue." Mm-hmm. They're not really asking like, "How do I glorify God with the body that I have?" Right. It's more like, "How can I feel better about?" the body that I have or just feel better in general. Right. Because this is taking over my life. Right. Even. Right. I did want to, okay. Because you mentioned like the physical component of vanity, which I think is obviously what a lot of people think of. Yeah. That one's boring. Let's get it out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I did want to, I, there's a part of me that wants to have the conversation a little bit about like, like deconstructing beauty and the notion Mm. that, like by just getting rid of all cultural norms surrounding beauty or all objective um, uh, standards for beauty, like just deconstructing it all. That's what, well, that's what our world is doing. Right. But just so strange because we've deconstructed beauty norms, but I've never seen any group of people wear more crop tops (laughs) in my entire (laughs) life. It's horrible. Like everyone's, after we deconstructed that, suddenly everyone wants to be naked. Yeah. It's it's not working. (laughs) Just so you know, no one looks great in that anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Well, is there is there a standard of beauty? Yes. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's God's standard. What, what's his standard? Um, I think that <laughs> I think specifically what that means um, without trying without making the whole episode about it. I think that means that there is an orderliness to beauty, meaning that it makes sense. It's not postmodern. It's not a splatter on the wall. Um, and I think it has meaning. Yeah. Okay. And then I think that um, specifically in the Bible, women are cherished for their beauty. Now, what that doesn't say is like, and she had a nice nose with no bump in it. Or right. her little, her second toe was not longer than her big toe. Right. That's not what that means. We don't know what Rachel and Leah looked like. <laughs> right. Um, 
But I, th- I do think that means that women are supposed to have some concern for their personal appearance. And we're even given guidelines about not having too much, that, especially something that would get in the way of uh, worship of God corporately, even. We're given... We're given some clarifying information about what that's supposed to be like. But even then, like, um, well, even then, the beauty that never perishes is the gentle and quiet spirit. Right. That's the beauty to attain and to pursue primarily. Right. Um, because it never perishes. Right. That it's doesn't. Not, it's not a vanity. Right. <laughs> it's not fleeting. Right. That doesn't mean, I will say some Christians, I think, take this too far Yeah. to say to the negation of, remember, we are a, we're holistic beings. You're not just a, uh, you're not just a soul walking around in this like meat sack. Mm-hmm. Like your body does have meaning and has a purpose. Like you said, like yeah. there is, there should be a purpose to what is beautiful. That's why denying, if you're a woman and you know, you pursue like quote unquote becoming a man and we cut off your breasts and you pursue looking like a man, like you're actually cutting off purpose that you right. were given because breasts have a, a meaning and a mm-hmm. purpose. Um, but all that to say, uh, I think some Christians can take it too far where they say like, I'm so not concerned about my parents that I present myself in an undignified manner because I'm not vain, you know? So it's like, I'm always sloppy. I'm always schlubby. I've never ever considered putting on a dress in my life or I've never considered showering and brushing my teeth before I got public because I'm not vain and I don't care what people think about me. That's also not a Christian position. I think part of Christian love and charity and dignity and recognizing yourself with dignity as made in the image of God is that you present yourself a certain way. People shouldn't be uncomfortable to be around you because you are so dressed down or smelly or schlubby or or whatever. Vocal about how other people are dressed up. Yeah. No one that's annoying. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, basically like even if, even in terms of like deconstructing beauty norms, if it's done in the name of identity mm-hmm. is vanity. Right. It's a say it's this weird, like it's maybe not necessarily how you would think to see it packaged, mm-hmm. but I think this is a very prevalent way we see vanity packaged, which is that we need to get r- with the whole body positivity movement. Um, like anybody of any kind, they're all the same. Love yourself because yeah. because love yourself <clears throat> because self-esteem is associated with identity which is associated with you find you actualizing which is why we're here right Right. so it's all it's a vanity that's all on all on track Mm -hmm. with this misplaced search for identity right so even that the deconstructing of that like it's it's what you were saying yeah so even though it is sort of seems like the opposite it's the same thing right and i i think i said this on some like book club or something but my one like big thought i have about like self-image problems or how you feel about your body or and things like that um i think it's really important for christians to remember that if you've been in sin 
with how you've treated your body, whether because you you've been unwilling to receive food, thankfully, because you don't want to look a certain way or because you've overeaten and you've just like gotten yourself in a place where you're not healthy. I think a lot of women tend to think that until they nail these issues perfectly and their body also reflects the nailing of these issues perfectly, a perfect diet, perfect exercise, whatever, um, whatever your idea of perfect is, you know, also that's a problem. But Mm -hmm. um, until you reach some idealized weight and some idealized way that you eat or whatever, then your wardrobe, yeah. Makeup routine. Right. Then you're in sin. And it's just not true. If you've been in sin, uh, whether because you've overeaten, you've refused to eat, whatever, whatever the sin is, You're right with God upon confession and repentance. Right. And then you need to move forward with these dealing with these issues in repentance. Yeah. But it's not like, um, okay, I look how I want to look. Now I'm right with God. Right. It's also, and like I was saying, it's not about abandoning all attempts for health because the, like, if you're not, if you're not a being a glutton, which is a sin, then that means you are being temperate in the way that you eat. Um, and that is like it, like you were saying, that doesn't always immediately go hand in hand with losing weight or right. not having the appearance of gluttony. Um, right. But to deny mm-hmm. that gluttony had anything to do with your weight is also just. Well, it's a lack of confession and repentance. And it's an an ignorant, it's ignoring the objectivity of like we were talking about, like there is an objective standard for beauty. We don't need to get into the weeds and be like, well, God doesn't think you're beautiful unless you have legs that are this long. Right. That's not what we're talking about. But you can't, um, but you can't also pretend that nothing is beautiful. Um, That's just you leaping off the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right the same cliff just like a right. mile down <laughs> well and as i think what you're pointing out is if you abandon all standards of beauty you it turns really ugly what you right. end up with is right. the paintings that are just splatters right and what you end up with are everyone wearing a crop top yeah. and really nothing beautiful right <laughs> if you completely abandon right. the idea of there being a standard but um we recently We're read a lot of calls from crop top wears. <laughs> They're not listening to this. I don't <laughs> think they are. <laughs> I just go to Target and get yourself a full length shirt. Full length Though shirt. actually, Target might not be the place because I'm pretty sure all yeah. their shirts are cropped. <laughs> I will say, someone I... just goes through with scissors. Yeah. <laughs> after they hang them all up and they just. Chick, chick, chick. I actually own a couple crop tops, but I always wear, like, I wear them, like, over a shirt. I wear them, like, over a dress that I didn't like the spaghetti straps. Right, I wear them to cover up my shoulders. Yeah. (laughs) Like, extra, I wear them for extra coverage. Right. I've never worn a crop top as a Nothing exploded when you wear them for extra coverage? (laughs) I wear them for extra coverage. That's that's what they're good for. (laughs) But if you just wear that, that's a problem. Anyway. (laughs) Um... So we recently read... Now that you guys will know how we feel about crop tops. <laughs> Shame. Let's end the episode. Okay, Just bye. <laughs> um, we recently read Ecclesiastes 
I guess I mean a little recently. It doesn't matter. That's one of my husband's favorite books, I and there the he's doing a book study with oh fun a few people okay. on that as well. So that you know, when you said vanity, of course I instantly thought mm-hmm. of Ecclesiastes because yeah. they really. It's yeah. really in there quite a bit. It's, yeah. <laughs> if you're reading Ecclesiastes, you're going to come across the word vanity. Now, <laughs> I have needed a lot of help understanding Ecclesiastes because I think so many people I actually heard this thing someone said a couple years ago, and it just was so painfully wrong and not at all true. But it was like uh, Solomon wrote... Ecclesiastes or Solomon wrote um, Proverbs, no, Song of Solomon when he was younger and still like, you know, when you're young, you kind of are optimistic. And then when you're old, you're realistic. And they were like, he wrote Song of Solomon when he was young and optimistic. And he wrote Ecclesiastes when he was older and knew better. And I was just like, I'm not going to claim to know what Solomon thought at all. That is not it. He was such a different person (laughs) from me. But that's not it because no. I believe the Holy Spirit wrote <laughs> right. both of these books right. and he doesn't change. So something else has to be happening here. Like if you think Ecclesiastes is just like the An book update of, to Song of Solomon. Yeah, like the book of Solomon's depression that you need help understanding the book too. Um <clears throat> well it's if, well for anybody that has issues with wisdom literature greg mm. bonson has a great series oh, he? um that's of course he has like an entire series on proverbs and stuff like that but he has a um mm-hmm. just like a little nugget where he just talks about wisdom literature in oh. general okay. and um it's re- very quiet it's it's helpful it's very helpful where can you listen to that um I don't think we have it on Bonson U yet. And I feel like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like, go listen to it on so-and-so. It's probably on Sermon Audio at this okay. point. Hopefully we have it up soon on Bonson U. Um, okay. But, uh, I should find that and link to it. I yeah. To to uh, it. Let me see if I can, uh, I'll just find it. And, but yeah, it's very, it's really excellent. Right. Okay. So. Sorry to derail. No, I think that's, I want to listen to it. So I would say we have some problems though, if we don't understand vanity as Solomon meant it. And ultimately we live in a time where the moderns would say vanity just means like meaninglessness. So if you're reading Ecclesiastes, believing that whenever Solomon talks about the vanity of life, he's talking about the meaninglessness of life. You're going to have a problem because literally nowhere else in scripture do you just read that all of life is meaningless. And ultimately, if Solomon's argument is that everything, absolutely everything is meaningless, then that would also make his argument meaningless. But anyway, (laughs) I would say... Wisdom literature is not meant to be consumed like other books of the Bible that are not wisdom literature. So I do think Ecclesiastes is one of those things, well, if you're not totally afraid of it, Mm-hmm. When you're a newer believer, mm-hmm. you might read it and be like, and form a, a, your entire theology around this. Uh, very important. Yes. But yeah, must be understood in a different way from, right. say, Genesis. <laughs> right. Us moderns are going to have a hard time with the words. But ultimately, 
I would argue that the vanity that he's referring to is the repetitiveness of life. So you see him talking about essentially like the sun rises, the sun sets. Here there are seasons for this. There's seasons for that. Everything, you know, turn, turn, turns, as the song says. I think fleeting. It's fleeting. It's, you know, you did the dishes yesterday and you're going to have to do them today and you're going to have to do them tomorrow. And you washed your laundry yesterday and you brushed your teeth yesterday and you scrubbed the toilet yesterday and it's going to need it again as well. And you're, the diapers need changing and it's going to need it again. He lists everything under the sun as this kind of painful, endless repetitiveness. The seasons come, the seasons go. But the point is, is that God gives it all meaning. God is the one who gives the good things, and he's even the one that empowers us to enjoy the things that we've been given. And these are two different gifts. So the unbeliever might have, uh, how did this, um, I was reading this commentary on it. How did this, um, the unbeliever might have like a can of pineapple but it's only the believer that's been given the can of pineapple and the can opener so you can actually open it and enjoy it. So through God, through knowing him and understanding him, these, all of this vanity has meaning. And obviously we have the capacity for enjoyment because we can understand the things under the sun in the way that an unbeliever can't. And we can have meaning and we can, we can understand, like even our painful situations can have meaning. We know they have meaning because we trust that God is working all things together for good. So we have access to a kind of enjoyment that the believer doesn't have access to. Like we, changing a diaper for us can carry a meaning <laughs> that it doesn't carry for someone who does not have right. an eternal view. Um, or for someone who rejects God. So God is the one who gives the good things. And nothing done in the Lord is in vain. We know that. And so since the same Holy Spirit penned Ecclesiastes that penned all of the rest of right. Scripture that tells us that we should do everything joyfully, we should do it under the Lord, and everything, God has a plan and a purpose and intention for everything, you have to read Ecclesiastes that way as well. You have to understand that um, that vanity that's being spoken of there is the painful repetitiveness of life that God gives us the ability to enjoy. Right. It's, I heard it described as, well, (laughs) a gift from God given back to God. Yeah, that like our sense. life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's a gift every day that you wake up mm-hmm. and do, and you know what, I, and you're touching on that repetitive, fleeting, slipping away, like this is what life is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the daily practice of faithfulness and giving it back right. to God. And that will help you with your pride. And your vain thoughts and your self-image problems. If ultimately, like you said, you're viewing the gifts that you've been given, which includes your body and your house and your home and maybe things that you're embarrassed by, if you're giving them back to God, 
If you're saying I'm going to use this for his purposes and his glory, that is going to put your eyes off of yourself and onto him. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the practice of self forgetfulness that allows you to look Godward. And if you're not actively engaged in that, yeah, you're going to have a lot of pride issues a lot of difficulty there. Yeah, lots of strife, causing lots of strife for yourself too because in many ways you're attempting to do something that's not even possible. <laughs> right. Like if you're attempting to find your identity or secure your identity in those vanities, you're it's mm-hmm. not it, you missed it already. <laughs> yeah. If it, your identity is sure, mm-hmm. um then trying to find your identity is not only repetitive but you're not you're just not going to be able to do it no it's going to be super depressing but self-absorption is depressing it is we've talked about this yes like ultimately the end of being completely enamored or concerned with yourself is dark yeah it's depressing it's you weren't meant to be the object of your worship right and the end of that is complete despair. And I, I do think a lot of what our current culture expresses as depression is the ugly fruit of yes. self-worship. Yes. And they worship themselves every day. And then they're like, why am I so unhappy? Right. It's like, well, because you're worshiping yourself. You're, right. You're worshiping Everything's disordered. Everything's yeah. all out of whack. Mm-hmm. So I'd say practice self self forgetfulness, practice a a godward focus. Um and and do find that practice of wanting to give everything back to God. Doing it for him, using it for his glory. Use your body for his glory. Use your table fellowship for his glory. Use your eating and your drinking for mm-hmm. his glory. Ultimately, pursuing those things allows you to enjoy all the vanity under the sun, um, I think, without losing your mind. Yeah. And it'll take time. Um, mm-hmm. You'll have to tell yourself, mm-hmm. get over yourself mm-hmm. many, many times today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are that's an act of worship. Yeah. So for those of you that are thinking, well, I just can't stop thinking about myself. I can't stop obsessing about my weight. I can't stop. Just know that it is an act of faithfulness to mm-hmm. deny the works of the flesh and put on mm-hmm. uh, the fruits of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So when you are becoming self-absorbed or you are engaged in self-absorbed thoughts and behavior, mm-hmm. it is an act of worship for you to say, Mm-hmm. Get over yourself and worship God. Mm-hmm. So enjoy that worship. Be faithful in that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Just because you can't turn off your sin and turn off your self-absorption doesn't mean mm-hmm. that worship is not an option. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that's easier said than done. Right. Lots of repetition. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even meaningless. <laughs> no. All right. Well, no. you can leave us a voicemail. At, you can. At 470-465-0475. And we will see you all next week. See ya. Waiting for the way to wake me up from waiting. Do 
I mean it when I'm praying just to pray to see you move the mountains somehow. I don't want another way to move among the mirrors I'm protecting. And I'm never really claiming all the grace it takes to make a way with you out.